It's a very special Koshcast today as we welcome Paul Byrne onto the pod to talk about the Canadian Premier League. And we've got more questions than Mike Flynn's interrogators. Amongst many other things, we'd love to know where teams will spring up. London, Windsor, Saskatoon, all may or may not be revealed soon. Let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. As usual, I'm joined by Bernie. Hello, everyone. How are you, Bernie? Delightful. Very good. And Roche, how are you? Very well, thank you. You need a haircut. Or do I? <laughs> I think it looks good, to be honest. Okay, well, we, we'll, we'll put it to a vote later. I, I um, don't think so, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go. Vote, vote had. You're going you're gonna to judge my hair? And that is the voice of Paul Byrne, the, <laughs> the project manager of the Canadian Premier League, um, which is why we are delighted to talk to you today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. And he has wonderful hair. Yes. Wonderful. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Score one for Bernie. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we should keep track of, uh, of any of kind points. of personal yeah. bants. Over <laughs> okay. Things. okay. I don't know. Um, Paul... Again, thank you for joining us. We've been very excited by the news of the Canadian Premier League. Um, when we all got here, which was about 2006, seven, yep. we all yep. moved here from other countries. TFC just started 2007, so that was kind of our first local thing. Um, and this is just taking it to a whole nother level. Um, so can you just tell us what being the project manager of the Canadian Premier League means, and then we'll get into a bit of your background. I'm hoping at some day in the not-too-distant future the title changes. Okay. So uh, there's just me right now. I'm, uh, I'm working with a group of owners to, uh, to try and, and get everything started, and everything means uh, uh, ascertaining a list of standards by which... We will have people play in our league, and that could be physical standards like stadiums and, uh, and, and pitches and that type of thing. It could be financial standards, so how, how deep are those owners' pockets? And it could be uh, um, you know, other standards by which we govern ourselves. So this past two weeks, I've been into the minutia of corporate governance. Mm-hmm scintillating stuff it sounds it yeah quite um and also the the way in which we're going to set up our organization and and uh you know these are all things that people don't really care about and candidly i don't really care about either (laughs) which is why it's so so painful for me to go through it but it's vitally (laughs) important stuff that we have to anticipate now so that we don't end up having disputes or having miscommunicate miscommunications in the future so um it is it is uh, a fascinating thing you know with Toronto FC, I was the first employee there, yeah. and uh, um, and I, I like to say that I built it with the help of Maple Leaf Sports behind me, mm-hmm. um, but in this scenario, I don't have that. It's just me, and, uh, and I have the resources of some of our owners, um, which is a godsend, but, uh, um, but there's no rule book. You right. know, people aren't uh, creating new professional leagues every day, uh, and... Uh, um, so I, I find myself calling on my experience in NBA and the NHL and, uh, and MLS mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, th- those are great organizations and they've made a lot of mistakes and learned from those mistakes. And I've been fortunate enough to, to live through that. So I think that's what I bring to the table for this group. Okay. Well, I, I'd like to say that, that we're available to help. Oh, yeah. What, whatever you need. We're Definitely. Available. Yeah, we're cheap too. <laughs> yeah. Corporate governance? Corporate <laughs> A uh, quick question. I mean, you have an extensive background in like way like different sports, mm-hmm. um, and TFC obviously you like helped uh, build it, mm-hmm. as you say. But how do you rank this project of you know building the CPL, the Canadian Premier League, in relation to everything else? Well, on on the one hand, I'm more experienced and I'm a little bit more confident because I've I've uh, enjoyed some business success on the other projects. Um, on the other hand, it's incredibly daunting and humbling to be um, to be asked to join this project. That is, um, you know, for me, it, it's this is about. I keep telling people this is not about the next five years or the World Cup in 2026. This is about the next hundred years, mm-hmm. and uh, and what we do in the next ten years 
is all foundation building. It's not the, the way this league is in year three and year five is not what it's going to be in year 20. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we need to take a long view and take a, um, a methodical sort of growth uh, um, progression to make sure that we're doing things properly and, and, uh, and not setting ourselves up for a fall. The high watermark for success in professional soccer in Canada is six years. So if we get to year seven, we will have we will have uh, broken the mold. Okay. What do you mean by the high watermark exactly? Uh, the longest that somebody else has had, any other league has survived in this mm-hmm. country. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Six years. Okay. Was it eighty-seven to? Was it was it ninety-three? Now? Ninety-three, yeah. right? Yeah. Could have been eighty-six to ninety-two. And okay. from what I read, some of the issues with that was you know around ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe not proper vetting, similar things will happen in the old NASL. Um, what, what, what lessons do you think that, that you've, that the country has learned from that experience that they're going to, that you're going to put into place? Well, I'm 30 years ago, it was a different country. Mm-hmm. It was a lot smaller. The demographics were very different. Although you could argue at the time, the demographics were, would, should have been ripe for soccer. Um, the post-war immigration to the to Canada. So you know, from the if you look at at um, immigration demographics, there's a big spike after the war, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of European influence. A lot of people coming here from Europe, and, and so that ought to have set a foundation for a successful launch. Um, and I think to a degree it did. What you'll find is that the um, the fan support in the Canadian league has been pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that with Toronto FC as well. That, that's what made me so bullish about Toronto FC is when you looked at the Blizzard and Croatia, uh, metros and Metro Croatia and Toronto City, they had some really high points in mm-hmm. their uh, in their history. I might burp from time to time. That's <laughs> okay. That's is why that we okay? gave you the beats. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> for Tonight's episode brought to you by Alexander Keys. Other <laughs> um, beers are available. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, the 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 fan support for the game in this country, I think, has always been there mm-hmm. to varying degrees across the country, but it's always been there, and it's been the background things that have caused things to get out of control. It's been owners fighting against fighting with owners, so to speak. Uh, it's been owners letting their desire to win supersede their their ability to sell sponsorships and broadcasts and and uh, and tickets. And uh, so they, the leagues end up getting out of control, but the teams were pretty decent and had some and, and had some real, uh, real support. So that story exists across the country. We'll be in new markets, I think, that that haven't seen soccer before, but uh, but we will have a strong foundation in the in the markets that have seen it before and, and have seen some success. That, that's that's new markets, not new yeah, market. Yeah, correct. <laughs> just, just to clarify. Although yeah. if they want a team, I'm yeah. sure we can talk yes. about that. A bunch of people in new market just got really excited. <laughs> yeah. so, um, just on, on the point about demographics, um, I, I wanted to ask you, because as I said, you know, we came from other countries to Canada. We already supported European teams. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into TFC was kind of the first hurdle, to, to call it that. Um, so for, you know, it's not going to be a struggle for people like us now, but what would you say to people in that situation coming here relatively recently with support for other teams? Why should they turn their attention to the Canadian Premier League? Why is it important? Uh, I would ask you the question because you lived it. I'm born and raised in Canada. Right. I, I'm not adjusting from another another club, so I'll, I'll turn the tables and ask you, what was it about your arrival in Canada that caused you to go, you know, in addition to my home club, I'm going to watch Toronto FC or I'm going to give it a chance or I'm going to use it as an opportunity to to help myself get acclimated. Like, you tell me. I, I, I can honestly say that for me, coming to Canada was a choice to where to study the university. Where's home for you? Nigeria. Oh. And sorry, let's go around the table. Yeah. Um, so I was actually born in Toronto, but I was raised in London, England, and then I came back for university. Okay. And I was born in India, but I've lived in like Singapore, California, and then Canada. Rishay is an international man of mystery. I was going to say, yeah. you've, got, you've got the global accent. <laughs> well, well, Bernie as well. He's got, I think he's got another, one more country on me. I yeah, think, Malaysia, I Oman, Nigeria, Netherlands. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't hear Nigeria in your voice. <laughs> I mean, he can turn it I, on. I, 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 I can I do it. Love, could you do the I rest do of it. the interview with that, please? 
just give us like 30 seconds. You know what? We, we, we get one section for the podcast where, where would they call Momo of the Week? Where would they talk about, you know, stupid... Anyway. So, I can't... It's, it's easier if you were Nigerian. It just, yeah, it just, it just comes, comes out, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you should see it when he goes home. It's like that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So, finish your story. Yeah, yeah. So, for me, it was a, where I was going to study. But one of the mm-hmm. things that I decided was I needed a place where I could actually go watch live sports. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. And Toronto FC... Was coming, I think, was coming up at the time of my my decision. Yeah. So it made it easier for me because I thought, well, as a casual, I mean, I watch, I'm a fan of Man United and my local team in Nigeria, but I thought as a casual supporter, you know, this would be fun to go to a stadium with a bunch of other people and experience something that I can't do for the team that I support in Europe. So that was the attraction to Toronto yeah. for me. So I assume that for a lot of maybe new immigrants, university students who just want to experience you know, Moncton or Regina or something like that. That's another attraction. So that might be what feeds into that fan support. Do you reckon you could start putting that on your application for the country? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rache, tell, tell me how you ended up supporting TFC. Well, I think the exact year that I moved here was like December of 06. And that's exactly when TFC mm-hmm. were born. Right. Um, and so when I like just moved to Canada, everything was about hockey. You'd, you'd put on the score and everything would be about hockey. It'd be right. like, you know, um, just because it's it's the default, yeah. and that's what you're prepared to get exposed to when you come here. But just the fact that TFC were born, and there was a lot of hoo-ha um, about it. <laughs> is that a positive gr- thing? Gr- a positive hoo-ha. hoo-ha yes. <laughs> like, like Bernie as well, I'm also a United fan. Let the record right. show, I'm reaching for the ketchup chips. These guys <laughs> yes. are pure Canadian now. It's yep. about as Canadian as it gets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just that it was, it was going on at the same time that I moved here, and it was very easy to kind of just start being a TFC fan. And the fans weren't too bad themselves. Yeah. yeah the fans became the, the story, thankfully, right, yeah. in that mm-hmm. first year. Definitely. It wasn't about the football, for sure. No, that, that's true. <laughs> How, but you had a major role in that. I mean, creating yeah. a fan experience is, like, is what you do or what you did. So, I mean, how, how did that kind of develop? Well, I often tell people that the, this best decision I made in the, in the process of uh, building Toronto FC, and, and again, I, I was surrounded by the best organization in the country, and, uh, and I was given a, a, a ton of autonomy in order to make the decisions that we needed to make that were different for football than for hockey or basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I credit the, the senior management at MLSE for, for allowing us the, the breadth to do that. Um, I think that, for them, that was a very bold choice, right. because I asked for a lot of things that went counter to standard operating within MLSE. But I often say the, the best decision I made was to go on the Voyager's board and to just start reading and eavesdropping and, and so on. And, uh, uh, and then I went to one of their meetups at the Duke of York pub right yep. here in the annex. And, you know, there were, I don't know, a dozen people. And um, on the one hand, I was not impressed with the, the number of people at this meetup. But as soon as I sat down and I started to listen... I was kind of floored by the degree of passion and the encyclopedic knowledge that people had, and and I really got the sense that if if uh, if if I could understand what this was about, that was causing all these disparate people from all over the city to come together, and they all supported different clubs, but they all had Canada in common, mm-hmm. um, and so th- there was really a one of those aha moments that that uh, um, really opened my eyes and and. Um, I started to get the sense that if I could feed this, then that these guys would become the advertisements and the and the salespeople for us across the city, and um, uh, that was very definitely the case. And then um, once the you know there was a group called U Sector mm-hmm. that existed, and they were supporting the links. Um, and I so my second supporter meeting was with them, and then the Red Patch Boys sort of emerged out of mm-hmm. nothing. Out of vapor, and uh, um, there were some guys at the top of that group. Mike Dubrick comes to mind. He's a guy that's still around, and uh, um, he just had the energy and the passion. And uh, um, so, yeah, it was really about listening and unleashing the supporters, and understanding that you know, if we if we invested our money into cheerleaders and mascots, mm-hmm. that would be futile. Yeah. But if we invested our money into what do you need? And making sure that, you know, 
every time I went to the bar, I bought rounds for everybody. You know, that that was a better investment yeah, for Toronto yeah, FC than, than, you know, trinkets and trash that you expect in the other um, the other North American sports, which are great and totally appropriate, right? Sure. I don't mean to diminish it's just a, a Raptor game, yeah. but it's just a different it's a different experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think um, Mohanad, who is sadly not not <clears throat> able to join us today, went to a Raptors game, and he was he didn't have Twitter at the time, so he was live Facebooking it uh, <laughs> before Facebook Live. You know, he was updating. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I distinctly remember one of his updates, which was something like, "I've been here for twelve minutes, and I've already bought a vacuum cleaner and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. been offered a new credit card." Yeah. And stuff. And says, yeah. So yeah, definitely something to avoid in that in the in the soccer context. Well, you know, everybody in the city wants an authentic football experience. But everybody in the city is from a different background. Mm-hmm. And authentic in England is different than authentic in Spain or authentic in Venezuela or in Nigeria. And I don't know what is authentic in Indian soccer. Is there anything authentic yet? It's uh, all manufactured, right? You tell me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you're the Indian regime. We've already yeah, yeah. covered Corolla bomb blasters. On the, yeah. <laughs> so. Just blasters. <laughs> oh, they're just blasters? Yeah, I think something unique about that league is the team names. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very unique. Um, there are some superstars. I think Freddie Jungberg is there. Yeah. And I think... Uh, <laughs> superstars. Well, he's been through a <laughs> An Arsenal legend, to be fair, yeah. Alex. I yeah. thought he was like assistant coach at Wolfsburg, but okay. I mean, maybe he's doing right. both. He, he could was, probably do both. He was you probably can, yeah. The yeah. Indian League is three months? Not even. Yeah, I know. It's, it's got a season it's under like it. It's like summer vacation. No, but yeah. it's short. It's really short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know too yeah. much about <laughs> the Indian League, to be fair. So but you're no longer the... The uh, resident expert, because these two guys know better, more than you about them. maybe about the Indian League. <laughs> I guarantee you that I know more about TFC than these two guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't we know. give him that. We give him that. But anyway, but my my point there is, you know, that if Toronto FC tried to be all things to all people, it would fail. Yeah. If Toronto FC says it's okay to be yourself at a game, then there's success, and I think that was the point. If you recall, the the advertising was pretty. Uh, you know, we launched that that team on a very small marketing advertising budget. Um, but one of the things that got us the most attention was the streetcar that we wrapped, mm. and it, it um, you know the streetcar goes through every mm-hmm. every. The, the thought was the streetcar goes goes through every neighborhood in the city, and uh, and as it goes through, it was like an old luggage trunk, so it had stickers from all the all the different. Um, neighborhoods all over it. So there was Little Italy, Little Italy, and Little Portugal, and Chinatown, and so on. And uh, and that was that was core to the messaging, which was all about this is this is the global game, and this is where you, as a citizen of the world, can come and enjoy yourself because everybody in Toronto is from somewhere else. Yeah, and that's a strength we wanted to enhance that. So a, a question I had kind of related to that, and and I know Roche has a has a point on this is um, when you think about TFC. Right and and replicating something similar in Moncton, in Regina, and Halifax, it seems like it would be difficult because we're talking about a metropolitan area that's diverse, brings a lot of immigrants who might be interested in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to the at least I was with you guys in the semifinal against Montreal, and to be very fair, that atmosphere equaled anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to Europe last year, and so it rivaled anything, even bettered it than we saw in in the stadium. Totally. Like, it was unbelievable. And yeah. obviously the dream is to have that type of thing in, in Moncton and other, other mm-hmm. places. But realistically, is, is, that, is that something that, we, that people should be expecting to see in 5, 10, 20 years? What, what, what do you think we can really take that? Well, I th- I, again, I think it's up to the supporters more than it's up to the owners. Mm-hmm. The, the challenge to the owners is to get out of their way. The challenge to the supporters is to step up and deliver. Mm-hmm. So, and and what we've seen in some USL clubs and uh, and some smaller markets in the US is that you don't need twenty five thousand people in the stadium. You need a concentration of people who are passionate, and they don't even need to be organized. They just need to be like minded. Mm-hmm. And if you if you uh, and and part of that like mindedness is the desire to create. That atmosphere. You need a guy with a PA, and you need a guy with a drum. So the, yeah, both of those but, help. Yeah. But you could you could get into a fist fight over whether the drum is necessary. That's true. <laughs> whenever, whenever my dad really. sees someone with a drum, he's always, his his yeah. line is always, "I'm glad I'm not sitting next to him." <laughs> yeah. But the FC yeah. fans, like the TFC fans, have been pretty good. Oh, I mean, fantastic! Absolutely. Yeah. But there are clubs. There are other clubs in MLS that would that would would decry the 
the the the drum. You know, I spent two years in Brighton. They would they would murder somebody over bringing a drum into the into the ground. Yeah, because so, they have their own culture. They have their own culture exactly, and so so the the challenge and the opportunity for all of these markets across the country is to develop their own specific style. Mm-hmm. If you've been to Portland, I'd, I'd, I'd hold Portland and Dortmund up as the two top atmospheres for a regular season game on a cold Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it works because it kind of rhymes, so that helps. Where's that one? Dortmund and Portland. Yeah, I'm with oh, you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like enough yeah. to make it. A, a like, I'm working on a rap yeah. rhyme no, no, in no. the background. I was like, what rhymes yeah. a Tuesday? What, what <laughs> I was just wondering if you can do it on a cold Tuesday night in Portland. That's what. Yeah, I'm no. Can you chop wood on a cold Tuesday night in Portland? But the but in both cases, the atmosphere in those in those stadiums are um, very unique and specific to that city and to that ground, and uh, and so, you know, Halifax is already starting to feel like they're well. I feel like they're starting to develop a bit of an ethos to how they're going to support, and it's about maritime life and it's about you know their their songs and their history and their their traditions um so that's going to be cool that's going to be a point of difference for them and i i suspect that cpl fans from across the country are going to get the fixture list every year and they're going to circle halifax and they're going to book that flight first Mm -hmm. you know they're going to choose their ways their traveling support they're going to go to the places that are nearest and they're going to go to halifax Mm -hmm. just because i think it's going to be a big kitchen party I've never been to the East Coast, so that's a damn good excuse, that's for sure. There you go. But uh, we actually got a question in um, from <clears throat> Brad, who's at Scotia Brad on Twitter. and he works? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Um, can you ask for an update on the situation in Halifax and the latest regarding the stadium situation? Uh, I saw that. Brad, there's no... There's no um, you can't be secret on Twitter. Holbrook's <laughs> watching. Uh, there's there's no um, there's no update. There it's uh, it's a unbelievably well located ground that is uh, right next to downtown. It's called the Wanderers Grounds. It has a, a proper sporting history about it that um, is really appealing. Um, and uh, Halifax is a city that has shot itself in the foot I think and I, I think they would they would agree in the in the past 20 years there have been opportunities for for stadiums to get built mm-hmm. and lots of conversation and dialogue about how to spend our public funds and whether to put them into a stadium and um, most recently Moncton got a stadium for the Women's World Cup because Halifax chose not to participate in that tournament mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I think there's a bit of anxiety amongst the politicians and also amongst the fans, I mean, the, sorry, the, the voting public uh, in, in Halifax. So the guy that is heading up the ownership group there is a guy named Derek Martin, and he has, uh, he has presented the city with an opportunity that they can't refuse, which is, I'll build you a stadium. It'll be small. It'll be bare bones, mm-hmm. but it'll be ours. And uh, and let's see what we can do at the Wanderers grounds. And this, so the city would be absolutely crazy to pass that up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a stadium that will be built on the park, not into the park. It can be taken down and moved if uh, if they decide that it's a failed experiment, which I guarantee you it won't be. Um, so there's there's no reason for the city to block this. And I know um, having met with the mayor and some of the councilors, um, I think there's a very strong desire to support this and I think we'll know in the next two weeks or so um, that it has been supported by the council and then it's just a matter of getting it done mm-hmm. and um, already on that ground the city um, separate from this project but complementary to this project is redoing the pitch redoing the lights and roughing in the the hardware and the pipe of the um, you know the conduits and the electrical for a scoreboard mm-hmm. so there's some Bones there that it can be built upon that are um, that are, that are really appealing. Um, it may be the only ground in our league that has grass. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you see this kind of stuff happening elsewhere in Canada as well, across the country? It is. It. I see it happening because it is happening. It's just a little bit quieter, and it's a little bit you know. Okay. When you're dealing with cities, sometimes you've got to get all your research and your and your you know you have to do a lot of lobbying behind the scenes before you can go public with a project. Um, you don't want to put pressure on politicians until you've given them an opportunity to 
think through all the, the challenges for their constituents. So, so are these um, barriers that you've had to go through in the past? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, Derek is a little bit ahead of the curve in, in, um, in Halifax and, and he's, uh, he's got a great relationship with the, the city council there and the mayor. So I think he had already done a lot of that relationship building and sort of heavy lifting. Um, and again, the, the ground in that particular instance is so appropriate that, um, I don't think anybody's going to get in the way. I think it's awesome. While we're speaking about ownership, um, there was an article, I think, early on in the spec, um, which alluded to a rumor that an English Premier League club wants to own a club in the Canadian Premier League. Have you found out who it is? No. <laughs> we Can you tell us? <laughs> so, I mean, on the one hand, obviously, people will want to know, is that true? And, and will that be allowed? But my, my broader question is, how will you... How will, how will the league think about ownership? Will foreign ownership be welcomed? Um, will there be, as there in, is in the UK, a fit and proper person's test or something along those lines? Uh, well, again, as, as I said at the outset, the, that's part of the, the standards that we're currently talking about and, and um, trying to establish. So, yes, that exists. It's not a public document, but it's an internal document for sure. And uh, as it pertains to foreign ownership, um, the exact issue of foreign ownership has not come up yet. Right. Um, however, we have had discussions about ownership from foreign clubs or clubs who play in foreign leagues. Uh, and, you know, that, I, I don't know if it's on your list of questions to ask, but that leads to the question about MLS engagement in yeah. our in our league. Um, and we've tried to be very consistent in our um, response to this, and that is that we believe the MLS teams and we have the same core interests, which are the development of the Canadian game, mm -hmm. the development of the Canadian fans, and the development of Canadian infrastructure. Um, and... Uh, and for that reason, we believe that there's a way for us to work together and to, and to move the game forward. Um, however, it is not our intention or desire to be um, perceived or otherwise to, be, to, be, um, position, to position ourselves lower or as a development mm -hmm. right. league for anybody else. So we're, we're the top tier for Canada. And we don't compare ourselves to MLS the way the Swedish league doesn't compare themselves to the Spanish league. So there will be no TFC 3 or TFC 2 in this league? I don't see that happening. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there is a way for us to work together with the MLS teams if they desire it. But we just need to figure out how to do that. And uh, um, for us, it's important that we just get off the ground and start to establish ourselves and stand up on our own two feet before we really start to have that conversation. Perhaps an expansion of the Voyager's Cup maybe is a, is a potential avenue for that? Uh, we will work with the CSA to ensure that we are mm -hmm. in the Voyager's Cup. Um, it's, uh, it, it only makes sense mm -hmm. know, for us to, um, to participate in that competition. Um, and I think we will work with the powers that be at CONCACAF to ensure that there is a second yes. spot, Canadian spot. Um, so one for the winner of our league and one for the winner of the Canadian Championship. Mm -hmm. That would be great. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Quick question. Uh, so in England, it's very easy to travel, you know, as visiting fans to other stadiums. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Canada, it's quite large, you know, east to west. It's expensive, but it's not difficult. But you it is expensive. <laughs> but it is very expensive. Yes. Uh, and so how do you foresee that being a, you know, an obstacle for fans to kind of, you know, travel to support their teams? Well, you know what, when, before Montreal came into MLS... Toronto FC's nearest opponent was seven and a half hours away by car. If you say that to somebody in, name a nation, with the exception of India, name a nation <laughs> that has that type of geographic challenge. The only one I can think of is, is uh, well, there's two, there's Russia and there's Russia. US. Yeah. In Russia, there is very little traveling support. It's just not part of the culture because because of the dynamics. Of Probably the too dangerous. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> but if it... If I was there, I would blame it on the geography. Sure. Yeah. Wouldn't want to make <laughs> that I was scared. Um, you could say Brazil to some extent. Oh, true. Uh, sure, but Brazil has something that I, I hope that we have. And again, I'm, I'm talking about on a 20 or 30 year horizon. Brazil has major centers with multiple teams. And so within those major centers, you can, 
you can go and travel to six or seven away games within a you know a three or four hour driving time. Um, there are some teams that you know what's, where's what's that that city on the Amazon? Oh yeah, that you can only get to by boat. Well, they built right? the stadium and they yeah. had, it's, it's basically sinking into the yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not Manaus, is it? Yeah, Manaus. Yeah, Manaus. That's the one. Yeah. So they don't they don't <laughs> have um, they don't have traveling support coming to them. <laughs> And rightfully so. Because, um, <laughs> it's a stupid place to build a city. Um, Exotic, but uh, but but so you know, so places like Halifax will be on the one. You know, I, I just finished saying that I think everybody's going to travel to Halifax, and I really believe that because I think it's you know part of why you support the game is not about the game; it's about the lifestyle and the, the experience, and the banter and the experience, right? And that's Halifax takes all of those boxes. Um, but there will be. Um, there will be an opportunity for somebody in Edmonton. You know, if there's a team in Edmonton, they'll they'll be able to go to Calgary, they'll be able to go to Regina and Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And if they're really adventurous, adventurous, they'll go over the mountains. You know, and uh, um, so there will be some opportunities, but they they will be constrained just as they are in in other nations. So you don't foresee perhaps uh, having a deal with like an airline. And the league, you know, uh, visiting fans get you know some percentage off their tickets if they travel in a group, things like that. Last time you bought a ticket, did you look at the price of that ticket? Of you have course. a five hundred dollar ticket. Four hundred and sixty dollars is taxes and landing fees yeah. and fuel. So if they give you fifty percent off the extra forty dollars, you're still not saving it. <laughs> but with a group discount, you do get some relief. Some, yes, some, but, some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my point here is that there won't be a lot. Okay, group discounts won't be able to outdo Expedia or you know those, mm-hmm. those other places. Um, I, I think the the opportunity you know, we will we'll try with yeah. a, with an airline provider. I just don't want to send anybody's expectation that oh yeah of course yeah. because those those first five items on your on your airline bill are hard numbers that aren't, aren't changing right mm-hmm. fuel costs and yeah. all that. So um, I, I think I think it's a miracle that the airlines even operate in this country because because you know their margins are so very very thin. Which is why you get into overcrowding or overbooking and all that stuff. Which is possibly why Air Canada has no competition at the moment. Well, they have WestJet and they have Porter, but who would be crazy enough to get into that business? Well, that's kind of the problem. Yeah, <laughs> planes only cost a couple of billion. <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, to follow up on on questions as to where clubs will be. Um, Rob Ditter at Rob Ditter on Twitter. Who he's being funny. He's yeah. actually the owner of the Mississauga team. He doesn't actually know it yet. Wow. He's the biggest cheerleader. Oh, yeah, well, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's gonna he's gonna own a team there. So you, well you done, s- Rob. <laughs> you, you've seen this question then already. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. He also seems to have a direct line to the mayor, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. We need so, we need this guy. Yeah. yeah. Amongst us. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> he walks amongst us. So I, I listen. I would love to be in Mississauga. That's exactly what I'm talking about. On that 20 year horizon, I yeah. think a place like Toronto could have a. Scarborough team and an East York team and a and a York Region team and Brampton and Mississauga and Kitchener Waterloo and Hamilton and Niagara and that and right, that wouldn't is, that be awesome right that'd be, that'd be great yeah yeah it would be incredible and it would it would create the atmosphere for you you wouldn't need to put much effort in with local rivalries like that it's, people don't know what a local rivalry is in this country right mm-hmm. guys like you who have seen it in other scenarios would be pining for it right. But I guarantee you, if you walk around the TFC crowd, 50% of those people are from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's the demographics of our city. Right. 50% of the people are from somewhere else. Yeah. And they all are pining for it as well. And that's what makes me believe that this, this league will be successful in this country. It'll, so, it'll, it'll have varying degrees of success mm-hmm. in different cities. Um, back to Halifax for a second. Um, uh, Bernie, you mentioned you know this was part of your decision making process when you were deciding where am I going to go to school. Yeah. Um, in Halifax, that that is a city that is incredibly self aware. It blew me away. Then the, when I t- spoke to fans, soccer people, community leaders, politicians, business people, all across the board, they can repeat to you. The importance of immigration to their economy, mm-hmm. their desire to be a welcoming place for immigrants, 
their desire to they can quote for you the the retention numbers of immigrants. Huh. So they they not only know this is just man on the street. Mm-hmm. They not only know how many immigrants come to the community every year, but they they proudly will tell you that their retention rates for immigration are higher than anybody else in the Maritimes. Mm. And that's a point of pride for them. Mm-hmm. And this stadium completely plays into that. Right. They have a brand new um, library that is, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful, new, modern, um, you know, architecturally lovely building. Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's a point of pride in the city. The mayor has said he wants to have a stadium in the city and he wants to have a performing arts center in the city. Mm. And these are for reasons of, of being a place that people want to come to and people want to stay. Mm-hmm. And raise their families and so on. Right. So there's a reason for for further investment in absolutely you know, for potential ownership and all those types of things. Yeah. Do Do you moonlight for the Halifax Tourism Board? Because like I'm I'm nearly ready to move there. After that, I, <laughs> uh, I kind of do. No, it's it's only because I can speak more freely about them because they're ahead of the curve. I'm know, kidding. Versus, no, it sounds, it sounds wonderful. But but that that tells you that. Um, I think there's some skepticism amongst Toronto fans that this will work across the country because the other cities across the country are, are less cosmopolitan than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, this is a very cosmopolitan city and you walk down the street and you see every, you know, people from every, every nation on the planet and you see, you hear all kinds of languages on the street. That same thing exists mm-hmm. in the major cities across this country, maybe to a lesser degree, but certainly um, to a surprising degree. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. This country has completely changed. You know, I'm I'm 50, and I'm I'm uh, I I grew up in this country, and in the last um, 20 years, you know, the 10 years before TFC and the 10 years during TFC, um, the country is the, the face of the country has completely changed. Mm-hmm. So um, Ottawa, is there interest from you guys and from them for the, to join the the CPL, the city? Well, because Ottawa, I read that Edmonton and Ottawa, because they're right now in the NASL teams. Yeah. So that there was Ottawa is in the United Soccer League. Yeah. And in them Edmonton's, coming over. Uh, we are very interested in uh, welcoming welcoming them into our league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, we are just um, the second beer has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Watch for it to get colorful. There you go. Uh, they are. Um, they they will be welcome into the league, but but they have their own. They have to come to that conclusion on their own. Right. So, so that's a better question for someone from the Fury. Okay. We'll, we'll ask uh, Bruce Grobelar. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> ask him how it's going over yeah, there. He responds to one in ten emails. So. Yeah. But we had a great interview with him. It was a very, very colorful uh, interview. As well. It was a while back. It was 2015. Yeah. It'd be nice to have him back. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's great when there's a good-looking waitress. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do have another question. Are you keeping that in, or...? What? Yeah, I think okay. so. His wife doesn't listen, right? It's all good. Um, For the record, <clears throat> we're in Alexander's apartment, and the waitress is not cute. Because <laughs> <laughs> the waitress is Alexander. <laughs> um, foreign players. Um, so, obviously, I, one of the tenets of this is to develop Canadian football players. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like you said, not just for the World Cup 2026, but for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe that the league... Should do that, will do that, have a, have a cap on the number of foreign players in order to Absolutely. develop the Canadian yeah. player? Yeah. And that's exactly how we phrase it. Um, thank you for phrasing it that way. Some people have been asking, will you have a minimum quota on Canadians? And that's not the way we want to look at it. Mm. This, is a, this is a league that is about Canadians. It's by Canadians, for Canadians. We will have some foreign players or import players, but there will be a cap on that. Sounds and like then, Donald Trump. <laughs> we want him to stay. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you want me to come over to the <laughs> Wow. I just thought bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I see your point. Okay. It makes a lot of sense to me. It is one way to get around the EU passport headache for players who are, you know, taking soccer very seriously in Canada and they, you know, feel that they have to go over to clubs in Europe and play to further the, their development. But the EU passport kind of restricts them. So this could be good for them. Sure. But if you, if you are. You know, if, if you're looking at Canucks abroad, as an example, which is a, um, a, a pretty accurate picture of where Canadians are playing across the planet, mm-hmm. it's not just Europe. They're all over the place. And, uh, you know, the, the pathway for success for a Canadian player today is you play in your local club as long as you can, and 
then you figure out what passport you have access to by, by way of your parents or your grandparents and then you go get that passport and then you go on trial in that country um, it's not really a recipe for success but but there just aren't any places for these kids to land mm -hmm. with the exception of the the MLS academies mm -hmm. and that's a very limited you know limited pool yeah um, and then the players that are in those pools um, are you know dying for first team minutes but um, those those teams are playing under circumstances that sometimes don't allow those, those opportunities for first team minutes. So, you know, we're not going to change the world overnight. We we're going to start with six or seven teams, and let's say we have a I don't know what our our import numbers are going to be, but let's say we have a, a maximum of ten. That means we're going to have fifteen Canadians, probably on a roster or a, on a team of twenty five. Mm -hmm. So. 15 times 6, that's 90 positions. That's 90 opportunities. that we're, we're not changing the world. We're just creating 90 opportunities. Over time, I think that 10, if it is 10, will get reduced to 8 or will get reduced to 5. And that will mean more opportunities. And then we'll have also more teams in the league by mm -hmm. then. So we'll go from 6 or 7 to 9 or 10 and 11 and 12 teams. So this is a, this is a process. But, you know, 10 years from now, I think we will be able to look back and say, We've produced a. We've had a positive impact on the the generation that has just come through, mm -hmm. and uh, and their ability to play at a high level, and their ability to to play at a high level in Canada and put themselves in the shop window and then move on to other leagues across the world. Well, I mean, you say ninety, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot necessarily in the grand scheme of things, but if you think about someone like Raheem Edwards, who we've seen break through for TFC this year. And all it took was a few games in the first team for him to pretty much make himself indispensable. Into yeah. Rashid's yeah. favorite player. He's, he's and, great. And become Rashid's <laughs> favorite player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if you think about 90 more opportunities for players to, to develop and to get proper minutes, and then you think about the impact that could have on the Canadian national team, yeah. it's, it's huge. Yeah, but I think the best players, you know, I, I, I'm not under any illusions that the, the Canadian national team is all going to live within the CPL. Of course. I think they might for a period of time, but I think if we do this properly, then it will be a launching pad for those players. And they'll still be coming back from other leagues. Some of them will be within our league. But, but uh, we are just a, you know, when it comes to the national team, we are just a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. But we're a significant piece that has been missing for a long time. How, those, how, those, sorry, those those kids that didn't have multiple passports, right? Who who go through their their club and now they can't go play anywhere. Um, you know, if they see that on the horizon when they're fourteen or fifteen, and they go, well, okay, I'll just go play hockey, right? Because I'm a good athlete and I want to be in sports. Um, because there is no place. Like, like, it's it's crazy today for a, a Canadian twelve or thirteen year old to envision themselves playing pro soccer unless they have that other passport to, to your point and one of the things that I know Rache had to do when we did our immigration test well citizenship test they actually ask you the question what's the most played sports uh, played sport amongst youth in Canada and it's actually soccer absolutely I yeah. thought I actually at first that's part I of the citizenship is that a question yeah. is, 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 a, is a question on <laughs> the citizenship test wow well. I shit you not it is on that thing and I, I, and I thought that was amazing because I, I thought it would be hockey automatically. Well, I got a variant of that question. It was, what is a summer sport and what is a winter sport? Yeah. The, lacrosse. But, lacrosse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lacrosse and hockey, yeah. But wow. the whole country, amongst, yeah. I think it's under 18 or something like that. Yeah, it's the highest the participation. But yeah. You know what's number two? Lacrosse? Golf. No. Yeah. Really? No way. Yeah. How? You only have three months of I summer. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who I plays golf? But because the adults play. No, no, it's oh, just a distance second. Oh, yeah, surely. <laughs> it must demographics. be, yeah, oh, okay. must be a way okay. distant second. No, because hockey is back up. Uh, like I think, I think um, registered soccer players, and so this is registered within the CSA, mm -hmm. is over 800,000. Mm -hmm. But people who play soccer is over 2.5 million, mm -hmm. right? Right, so there's mm -hmm. a, a play soccer regularly. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole bunch of people who are not falling into the CSA systems. Mm -hmm. um, and hockey, yeah, that the, the their version of the eight hundred thousand number is like six seventy. So golf is somewhere in there. I don't know where. Do you golf? Uh, no. Well, I have held a golf. You're, you're, a, business, <laughs> you're a business executive that yeah. doesn't golf. Yes. 
Yeah. Alright, there had to be one, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Just bringing it back to the Canadian Premier League for a second. We can talk about golf later. It's Canadian <laughs> golf. You know what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, I got it in. <laughs> that's good. We encourage that. Okay. Um, but just going back to the C- CPL, um, do you, I mean, you, you did say there would be a cap on foreign players, you know, mm-hmm. maybe 10%, you know, that number's not finalized. But initially, when TFC came about, there was a big deal about superstars playing for TFC. You know, former players from Europe like Laurent Robert were amongst like the first couple of TFC batch players. So, do you see any like you know older players from Europe coming over into the CPL instead of the MLS? Gosh, uh, that is a question to ask one of the managers who ends up being a manager in this league. We will have a salary cap. You know, again, back to those those standards and rules that we're making up. Uh, we need to make sure that we keep expenses under control. The lack of expense controls is why those other leagues mm-hmm. failed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I and I suspect we will start modestly. So I'm not sure there will be room for that. Okay, but you never know, right? Sometimes you'll find you'll find a player who is looking, you know, is settling down and is is seeing himself at the end of his career and wants to set himself up for the next phase of his life. And uh, um, there's loads of ex footballers who have made a good life in Canada and the U.S. Because, you know, so it's a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that, that Canada is a pretty awesome place and, and it has a lot to offer um, compared to a lot of great footballing nations that don't have a lot to offer, but they have great football. So there's every opportunity for that to happen. It's not a core strategy. Yeah. I think we can definitely get Rowan Ricketts back somewhere. I think he'd do it. Actually, that would be awesome if he played at least a game in our league. I could see that. He'd be like our Gordie Howe. (laughs) On on that, um, so when we interviewed Diane Dicchio, he said a similar thing in that he came to Toronto. He was actually supposed to move to Chicago and that didn't work Mm -hmm. out. But when he came to Toronto, he was pleasantly surprised that, you know, the quality of living, his kids love it here, Mm -hmm. his family loves it here. So he stayed here and become a part of the city because, you know, like you said, it's Canada has beautiful places to live. Pretty much. He was on the fence in the 22nd minute, Mm -hmm. but by the 23rd minute. (laughs) It's like, once the chair started hitting me, I knew this was the place to be. Love at first chair. (laughs) Um, On that note, has there been interest, at least, I know it's early on, but from maybe former Canadian, um, can we call them legends? You know, like, who... such place interest in the league and maybe want to support in some way. Owen we, Hargreaves. We interviewed, well, I doubt that. Yeah. But we interviewed Paul Saltieri. Um, I'm thinking of people like... Um, They're just name-dropping all over the place. Resident, well, we, we interviewed some cool people. I agree. But <laughs> we didn't interview them. What's it, Thomas Rosinski? He's Canadian. Rosinski, yeah. I don't know but we didn't interview him, but like people like that. <laughs> like, I'm hoping that there's... So hang on, you're dropping names because you've interviewed them. <laughs> but then you continue to go beyond the we've interviewed him list. Well, well, I'm going to be on the list hoping that they would listen. But and hoping uh, that they would get interest I, in the league. What's the I, question? I well, has there been interest from former Canadian okay. national team players? I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a, a former national team, former or existing national team player who doesn't think this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, all of those guys had to r- dramatically upset their lives in order to follow their dreams. They are exceptional people because they endured that, mm-hmm. right? The people you don't hear about are the ones that go over and give it a try, but they're 17 years old and they get homesick, you know, because homesickness is a real thing, mm-hmm. and they just decide to pack it up and come, come back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't hear about the ones who go over there and fail. Mm-hmm. Right, you only hear about the ones that had a pretty good success story. Um, so that's the long answer. The, the short answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. They they all love it, and uh, I think we'll find um, a number of them existing in our league right at day one, either in management roles or coaching roles or ownership roles, but. What's more interesting to me is in 10 years, when we're having our annual league meetings at our final somewhere, um, I want to be able to look around that meeting and see all kinds of players who played for Canada or played in our league. You know, we're creating, a, uh, we're creating an industry, mm-hmm. and it's, it's all parts of the industry. So it's officials, it's administrators, it's, it's media relations people, right? It's, it's all of that. It's what Anthony Totera goes off on his rants about, but mm-hmm. he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know that this is this is um, that this is 
this is a, a, an amazing thing for this country. And by the time we get to 10 years, and we will get to 10 years, um, then there will be no looking back. I think then you'll see the hockey stick of growth. It was on purpose? Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question I have is, you, when you get to 10 years, because we know you're going to do that, do you think at that point it creates pressure on Toronto FC? Because then they would, them and Vancouver, Montreal, become isolated from the rest of the other... Um, I think, do you think that there's more no, pressure on them at that no, point? I, I think... I think one of our, our core properties of this will be that we need to maintain a modesty to this league mm-hmm. um, in order to be sustainable and in, in order to be able to achieve the growth that we aspire to. Um, we need to be viable in markets that are quite small, which means that you know you got to have a small ground and you've got to be able to be sustainable with I don't know eight to twelve thousand seats, mm-hmm. something like that. What's the smallest? kind of market we're talking about uh, right now I'd say Halifax okay yeah so Halifax I think is about 300,000 people yeah. but um, you know if you, if you google metropolitan areas you'll see that it, there's a big drop off there's there's a handful over a million people and then there's a drop off down to 500,000 and then there's a massive drop off and there's there's you know, 30 communities of 200,000 mm-hmm. that's our sweet spot mm-hmm. so uh the good news is, if you can survive with a catchment area of 200,000 people, then you can have 10 teams in Toronto, mm-hmm. in theory. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't remember the question, but I hope I answered it. <laughs> That's all right. Um, something that you may not want to answer, so you don't have to, but there will, if there isn't already, there will come a time where people will ask, why is there not a WCPL? Is that something that's on the table? It's definitely on the table. Nice. Yeah. Uh, women's pro sports leagues in North America. Nobody's figured it out yet. Yeah. But men's pro soccer in Canada, nobody's figured that out yesterday yet either. And we've we believe we have. And if we can figure that out and get it standing on its own two feet, then I think that'll be the very next project. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not. It's not a, ma- a matter of women's the women's game being a distant second. It's like one and one A. Right. But we can't do both at the same time. No. And the women's program in Canada is in pretty good health. I think they're fourth in the world, and they're yeah. they're they're making noise about being number one. They're mm-hmm. great, and they are great. And uh, um, and the CSA has done a really interesting partnership with the U.S. Soccer Federation and how they pay for their players to play in the NWSL so um, at least for the very top tier of the women's game there isn't a void but there is a void right below it mm-hmm. right the mm-hmm. same way there is for the for the Canadian men right so there is an opportunity for us to fill it but uh, but we got to get our the men's game up and running and figured out first mm-hmm. fair enough um, what well, one of the pieces of, of the puzzle there will be um, ticket prices what they will have a price. They, they certainly will. They usually <laughs> yeah. do. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, is the does the league have a position on that, or will that be left to the clubs to deal with autonomously? Um, and uh, I don't. So, I don't know a, a diplomatic way to answer it. Things cost money. Yeah. We're you know our owners are taking a big risk, of course, to put this together. So they will have a cost associated with associated with them but it's about the balance between volume and price right we want our grounds to be full mm-hmm. we I think we can all agree the more people in the ground the better the atmosphere the better the atmosphere the better the experience the better the experience the more I'm willing to pay so it's a chicken or the egg thing so I think the tickets need to be made to be affordable and they need to be uh, more importantly though I think it's important that our owners understand that the game is not just the game. The game is the day. And it's the no, it's, it's more than the day. It's the whole experience. It's the sense of feeling like I have a relationship or a sense of ownership in this club. Excuse me. I keep burping. It's all right. You, you, you warned us. So it's not <laughs> I'm so wasted. Uh, <laughs> so, we just did a good job. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So, I, I don't know. We want our tickets to be very affordable. We want it to be in and around the price of a movie, but right. that's at the low end. But we also want, you know, if you have an average price of 20, that means you've got some 10s and 15s, but it also means you have some 25s and 30s. Mm-hmm. So I think that's our sweet spot. I think that's where we want to be. Mm-hmm. But every market's going to be different. Every venue is going to have different right. offerings, different premium seat opportunities, yeah. you know, suites. You know, if you, if you sell five or 10 suites, that drives up your average ticket price. And that means you can sell more tickets at the low end, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all the, all, all the situations are different. Yeah. Well, you don't get fireworks at the movies. Or, or ties, for that matter. But you know, do you want? To, you don't get ties at the movie. Someone fireworks always, someone always wins. Fireworks or, after or goals. Or <laughs> uh, what's what's under the cautious uh, position on fireworks at games? Only um, after goals for the home team. Um, only in finals and semifinals against Montreal. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Because there were five goals for TFC. Went yeah. there. I, I'm Did they run out of fireworks? I, I was there. I don't remember. I don't remember there, were, either. there were fireworks. There, there were. So no, that's a good question. Because they won the Eastern for Conference TFC, final. How many, how many oh. goals do they anticipate? <laughs> how many goals do you plan for yeah. if you'll have yeah. fireworks? Because I've been to games where the guy with his finger on the button is a little overzealous. <laughs> <laughs> and the fireworks go, but the, you know, the, the guy gets called off. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah, part yeah. of the problem with video refereeing is if you do the firework and then it gets called offside or, you know, So wait for the video something. referee, yeah. I guess. That's, that's a good point you bring up, Alex. Do you think video refereeing is going to be involved with uh, the, C- the CPL? Could be a good opportunity. Uh, video refereeing. I think we will be um, good FIFA citizens. But I also think that we are interested in being a, uh, a test market. Mm-hmm. So when they okay. want to push the game forward, I think we would be open to that. That as well as that goal line technology and yes, other yeah, 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 things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, of good FIFA citizens, which should put maybe be the tagline, you know, CP- Campiel. Good, good FIFA, FIFA citizens. Yeah. Be better, better FIFA citizens than the last guy. <laughs> yeah, and then read into that what you will. Exactly. Are we talking about the CSL, or are we talking about the <laughs> Sepp Blatter era? On, on the topic of FIFA citizens, um, the World the and just aside from the, the Canadian Premier League, um, the World Cup bid or the potential World Cup bid. No, it's a real bid. Well, oh yeah, it's a real bid. Yeah. So there, I say potential because I believe it's going to change. Some things will change, and what I think should change. I want to know what you think. There are 10 games supposed to be hosted by Canada out mm-hmm. of, I can't remember how many. 82. 82, and yeah. 10 are in Canada. I think 10 mm-hmm. are in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you? Should there be more, or is that we take what we get? I think we got, I think we won of the three countries. Mm-hmm. By any measure, mm-hmm. we got the most games. Go on. Pick a measure. Population. Mm-hmm. Quality of football infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. GDP. Oh, as in per in relation to what we have, yeah, that we want, yeah. I can see that. I just thought there should yeah, be other games square in square miles. Mm-hmm. We should have had more games, but by every other measure, right? Mm-hmm. Ten games we won. Do you think ten is as much as we can do? I think Victor Montaliani did us a, a solid because mm-hmm. I think the U.S. could have gone it alone. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, yeah. they already did. Yeah, and now they yeah. have better infrastructure and stadiums. Although they might, seems like Qatar is. Yeah, under that's, a little bit of pressure, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe off the table. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I'm just curious. Do you think that I think it's after other no knockout round games in Canada? I think that's right, isn't it? Could, could we not have had at least a semi final, at BMO Field for thirty how many thousand yeah, people? FIFA didn't go to the Montreal game, Bernie. They that don't. Was, they don't I, understand. I just, hang we, on, we hang on. Better than that. Name me three venues in this country that can host a knockout round game. Well, you can have BC Place. First off, okay, BMO Field and no. the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. No. The Olympic Stadium is falling down. Yeah. Do you oh, really? 60,000 people in there. <laughs> well, they got plenty of money. And they put delay. some money into that thing by 2026? Yeah, not I agree with Bernie. Can't like, grow grass. Not in by there. 2026? Oh, wait, it's the Olympic Stadium. They can't Unless you can it's arrange so for the sun though. to be right above <laughs> there. Yeah, you can't, can't grow grass in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the CSA is hopeful that either Toronto or Montreal steps up with a new piece of infrastructure mm-hmm. um, or a dramatically improved Olympic Stadium, which would cost more than the original price of Olympic Stadium. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys weren't here, but the Olympic Stadium was a massive albatross mm-hmm. for the mayor's um, 
from 76, I think it wasn't paid off until 2006. Oh, wow. Jeez. It was ridiculously long. Like 22 years yeah. after the Olympics. But how yeah. many, what's the capacity 40, of stadiums yeah. that hold semifinals in this particular World Cup? I don't think they're over 40,000 from what I saw. Uh, no, I think 40, you may be right. I think 40,000, from what I understand, 40,000 is a group stage uh-huh. um, capacity. And then after the group stage, it sort of goes up progressively. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I'll listen. I, I don't know that it's etched in stone that we don't get anything past the group stage. I, I did. I do remember hearing something about. Um, uh, I thought maybe it is the knockout rounds. Actually, now that you say it, I was thinking it was closer to the final, like you know, two or three rounds before the final. But maybe that is the like knockout that, round. That first 48. knockout round before the quarters. Well, is this yeah. the one where it has like... Is a round of eight or is there a round of 16? I don't know. <laughs> there, there are so 40, 48. It's 48. Yeah. And wow, it, there are a lot of rounds in this. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure from what I read that... <laughs> if you guys could... In the initial plan, Put a there position no paper one. together on this and yeah. submit it to me. There are no right. knockout rounds <laughs> I'm willing to make a phone call. That I know. And <laughs> it would be nice if there was a quarterfinal at minimum. Because that would really help the profile. And from what I've seen of the stadiums that are hosting those games, BMO Field has as much capacity as any of those stadiums. So, if you know people... Where have you read anything about host stadiums? Eh, ESPN, whatever. Don't believe that. Yeah. Read. <laughs> <laughs> it's, words. it's eight years away, nine years away. Uh, I think um, there's going to be new stadiums that come onto the, you know, come into the, into the, on the horizon in the U.S. and in Mexico. So I, I don't think anybody can predict accurately where the games are going to be, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm sticking to my guns that ten games in Canada mm-hmm. was way over delivery versus what we deserve by any measure. And if there was a debate between Mexico, U.S., and Canada, Victor Montaliani did us a solid. Yeah, got us ten games. Fair enough. Any more for any more? Um, I'm good. Um, if. Where Paul can do me a favor with more games, but yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask for tickets. <laughs> he, he has an advance. I do have more questions, but they're now going like you know back to you know Brighton and Hove Albion. Sure, let's go. All right, let's begin. Brighton so, and Hove, both, both of them. Brighton and I'm Hove. Confusing you? Because there's a Brighton Albion. There's a West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. And there's a Brighton and Hove Albion. Which yeah. is our Albion uh, Lots of Albion. <laughs> lots of Albion. Albion, Albion, by the way, means England. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, could you, just kinda, could you just Ooh. tell us, you know, obviously you have that's a, a very extensive background in, you know, uh, managing different sports franchises. You went from hockey to, you know, soccer, and now then you went over to England. Mm-hmm. So, could you kind of, exp- kind of just walk us through, like, how all that played out? You know, to get you to England? Uh, just like most people who have a good job, I have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I have the good fortune of having an Irish passport. And once I found that I was really enjoying the, game, the, the football, I decided that I wanted to try and try my luck overseas and see what I could do. And uh, I don't know, maybe five or six years before I went to Brighton, I started building relationships with clubs over there. One of the high points of my career was when I went and visited Derby County, where I knew the chairman there. And he took me to a game, and they were playing Huddersfield. And sitting beside me in the director's box, by the way, it was minus one at Derby County when I went there, and I was just wearing a sport coat because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, but you're Canadian. But yeah. sitting exactly, and so I just had to. Yeah. I had to. You couldn't let no, the sign no complaining. Down, but I, no complaining. You had to represent Canada. Sitting next to me was the um, the director of the youth academy at Huddersfield Town, which is a fellow named Sir Patrick Stewart. Right. So, who the cameras could not stop panning to during the uh, playoff final. Yeah, during the during the playoff final. But he, but he, he that was just like it blew my mind. Right. That, that it was the Sir Patrick yeah. Stewart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Professor so why did I bring that up? I don't know. To to let you know that I had other opportunities over there. But 
Um, the, the, the chairman, not the chairman, the chief exec at uh, Brighton Hope Albion is a fellow named Paul Barber, who I got to know when he was running the Vancouver Whitecaps. I see. And, uh, and we developed a, a pretty good rapport, and um, we, we sometimes were on the same side of the table when we were fighting with partners or fighting with Major League Soccer over issues, um, but there were also, also times when we were fighting with each other. Um, the, there was a match at BMO Field that was canceled in the 60th minute due to lightning. Hmm. It was a Canadian final. Was it a final? I don't remember that one. I don't remember this. Where the, where the match was postponed, and then we couldn't play it the next day because there was... Oh, because they had another game they had, they, they had to get to. They had mm-hmm. to get on their flights the next morning. So we ended up playing it on Canada Day, whatever year it was, mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, um, where there was me and Chris Cummings, mm-hmm. and they had Tater Torterson, their uh, head coach, and Paul Barber, and we were fighting with Joe Guest and the, head, the, the first official um, over whether we were, and, and of course we were taking this, oh, I can't go out there, I'm going to get killed. Because oh, we were down the goal, right? that's, a, that's an important piece of, uh, important piece of information, that's right? That's vital. Yeah, it was vital. And, uh, Re- regroup. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we, we, we uh, vociferously argued to replay the game. Um, but of course, we didn't replay it the next day, and we didn't replay it from the 60th minute. We, we replayed it from zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Toronto FC ended up so winning. You, you it was yeah. it was another one in the long list of ways that Vancouver Whitecaps have found to lose the Voyage. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that they do it with style almost every year. <laughs> and it's those kind of moments that like build those relationships, right? So yeah, yeah, but yeah. to. So yeah, so sorry. I, <laughs> I just wanted to tell that story. <laughs> Anytime I can take the piss out of, uh, out of Vancouver, I'm happy to do it. it. It makes me think that if we can find some way to manufacture lightning for whenever we're a goal down or two. Shh, we did. Okay. Yeah. Right. The CN Tower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Rashad, all right. anything else on, on Brighton and Hove or are you, you good? Well, is, are there any like crazy They're stories? They're really trying to wind you up or wind you down, I guess. I'm very excited to meet Crazy you. stories at Brighton and Hove? Yeah. Not really. Although, well, there's there's one. I lived the Aaron Winter experience a second time when I was over in Brighton. My deepest sympathies. Aaron is a lovely man. I don't disagree. A giant. You don't disagree, is which means actually, you agree. Is he actually tall? Like, no, 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 he's not tall. He's a diminutive words. giant. I'm, uh, I'm talking mostly about the... I was trying to see if he was the, exper- the, or not. the experiment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a, um, we had a uh, Finnish, Finnish manager in Brighton before Chris Hutton came in. Sammy Hippia. Sammy Hippia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it, it felt like deja vu. The, the, the story arc, you know, again, he's a giant as well. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man who's absolutely genuine to his core. And it's the hardest thing, hardest decision the club has to make because if the writing's on the wall that it's not happening, that the, you know, the, the locker room is not respecting him or whatever. For whatever reason, it wasn't going to move forward. So, um, yeah, I saw that coming before anybody else because I'd lived it once already. There you go. Yeah, it's crazy. I have no idea what Sammy Hippie is doing now, but yeah, sure he's doing well. I don't know what Aaron's doing. Oh, I think he's in the IX Academy. He's, yeah, that's right. So things pan out. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, Paul, thank you so much for your time. All right, this was wonderful, informative, funny, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Funny, peculiar. Yeah, whatever you like. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Yeah.